Welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Mark Key and I'm your host. And today I'm talking with Paul Higgins. Paul is passionate about helping cloud business owners to scale, to live a life with no limits. At age 18, he was diagnosed with a condition called polycystic kidney disease, PKD. He had an 18-year career at Coca-Cola before he took control of his health and transferred his systems thinking to the cloud industry. In 2019, he gained a new kidney from his best mate, Brendan, and sold his cloud consulting business to a Google partner. Now he helps cloud partners to scale, to either exit like he did, or have someone run it for them. Welcome to the show, Paul. Great to be here, Mark. Awesome. So what a story, Paul. I mean, like I, I just read two lines from your bio, and obviously there's a huge backstory to that. We don't have to get into all the details, but I'd love to know, like, you know, where did you get y- your start? You went from being age 18, you were diagnosed with with PKD, and then you know you had a, a, a long career at Coca-Cola, and then you took this information and started out on your own. What was the big driver that brought you to that point, and what skills did you take from your former life and bring them into the work you're doing now? Yeah, well, to be honest, uh, I suppose for the last 10 years in corporate, I wanted to, to leave. Like Coca-Cola is a brilliant company. You know, I went from a rep to a director, um, you know, did billion-dollar acquisitions. You know, there was just – it was such a great company. But I uh, always wanted to run my my own company and I was um, on advisory boards for other smaller businesses. Like a lot of our customers were small businesses. So I felt like I was always learning about business. And um, so that was uh, – but I just didn't know what to do. To be honest, it was like, what do I do? I had a million ideas, and I, we used to go on a golf trip every year, and I and I promised every year that I wouldn't be in the same company the next year, but it just kept happening. And with Coke, you got promoted yeah. every you know couple of years, so um, it was quite dynamic. Uh, so that was one side of the ledger which I always wanted to to go out, and then my health just started to deteriorate. So uh, yeah, it's an inherit inherited condition. Uh, I was diagnosed at eighteen, which you know, as an eighteen year old, you think. You know, look, I, I might as well live life to the fullest because at some point it's not going to be as enjoyable. My mum's dad died at 45. Mum had a massive heart attack at 44. So it was like, you know, you oh. just don't know. Mum survived the heart attack. Uh, but, you know, you just don't know how it's going to play out. So uh, that's what I did. And, um, yeah, around 2011, the kidney disease just, you know, it was very difficult being a director flying around you know, on a plane every day, working enormous hours. Uh, and my nephrologist, kidney specialist said, look, do you want to see your grandkids? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. She goes, well, maybe a change of career would be the right thing. And uh, that's what led me to, to run my own business. Okay. Um, that is a, 
a, a great story of, of per- perseverance and overcoming. And I, I want to ask because entrepreneurship is not for everyone, right? And so you came from the corporate world and your doctor said, hey, you got to change how you're doing things. Did you feel like you already had that entrepreneurial bug or that that drive or mindset? Like, why didn't you just go and find another company to work for? Yeah, look, to be honest, I was, um, I was very much an entrepreneur within the Coke system. So if there was ever anything to fix, they would give it to me as a quick example that uh, the juice market, so Minute Maid is, you know, the biggest juice company in the world. In, in Australia, we didn't really have uh, any player in juice. So they said, Paul, I want you to fix that. So I built a $300 million business in, uh, in two years out of that. So I was always like that entrepreneur. If something was too difficult, they couldn't get it done. And, you know, often a lot of my colleagues used to say, look, just slow down. Like, you know, you, you know, you can just go at a pace like everyone else. I'm like, I'm just not wired that way. And um, so, so there was always that. And, And to be honest, I didn't really leave thinking I was going to be running a business as an entrepreneur. I actually left. I thought, what do I love? most and it's leading people. So um, I left and was a coach, uh, um, an executive coach. And I quickly realized that a lot of the problems people were facing in corporate, I did. So I didn't really have a solution. And then I realized that I wasn't meant to be bringing solutions. Right? A coach in its purest form, all the ideas come from the the, um, the, the, the person you're coaching. And, and I just had so much experience. I had so much energy. I wanted to share it. And I'm like, I don't think this coaching game's for me. And that's when I flipped into advising small businesses and haven't looked back since. Okay, beautiful. I want to ask more about um, something I read in your bio. And it, it definitely resonates with me because that's that's a lot of why I started Ditto and why I run this business. But, you know, you you work with cloud business owners to scale, to live life with no limits. I love the concept. So what does that look like practically as you engage with your customers? Or maybe what does that look like in your life now? Yeah, well, look, for a lot of it, it was um, the no limits meant that I could look after my health, right? So yeah. uh, I think everyone knows that you know, health is generally your most important thing. And and for me, you know, no limits to me meant that, you know, if whatever I had to do to prolong my kidneys, because the longer you have your natural kidneys, um, you know, effectively the longer you're going to live. So, you know, no limits for me was just being healthy. You know, um, I, I still have a, a nap, you know, a 22-minute nap, every every day and and i you know for no limits for me meant that but it also meant Mm. like taking my uh young children around the world in case things didn't play out the way that i expected so we got to travel the world whilst i was working we uh, spent eight weeks in in europe um you know doing things like that that i wanted to you know family's the most important thing to me i wanted to share it and to me you know having a, a business and having a company where I could, you know, effectively decide what I wanted to do and then the the work sort of fitted around that was, you know, what I wanted versus the flip side in corporate is, you know, you you know, all the birthdays you miss, the anniversaries you miss, you know, sometimes you just can't control mm. the agenda or often you can't control it. Whereas no limits to me meant that, no, I could basically do whatever I wanted to and then work would, you know, still still fit around that. 
That's really beautiful. Interesting. Um, I, I want to ask and get a little deep here, if, if that's all right with you. And sure. like a lot of our, our listeners, I mean, entrepreneurs, they start these businesses to live life with no limits, to live a life of freedom. And that happens to be one of Ditto's core values is freedom without hindrance, right? Um, or, or obligation. And so um, the, the trap that we often fall into or where we find ourselves early on in this journey is though that may be our goal, we, we get pulled into the weeds and we get stuck in the things that, you know, aren't necessarily moving the business forward. We're working in the business, not on the business. Was that ever the case for you or was it really, um, you wanting to change your life and, you know, take care of your health that really pushed you to really live this life with no limits. And how are you doing? Like if you had to measure up and just see, like, am I being true to what I'm, um, what I really believe in? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, so you asked before and I didn't answer it, uh, around Coca-Cola. What, what did I learn? And, and I think with Coca-Cola, there was sort of two key things, you know, there's, and the two key things I took out of it was one is that technology, you know, use, utilize technology to, to get the best out of the business. And the second was the quality of people. And I know that sort of sounds fairly generic, but the Coke company, you know, in its essence, the Coke company only did the, the creation of the product, which was 150 years ago. And I know there's products they release all the time, but Coke itself and then the other was that they did the marketing, right? But that was all through others. Like when you marketed at Coca-Cola, you had yeah. agencies doing the work for you, right? And some of the agency owners here may have worked on some of the Coke portfolios. And and it was really collaborating with other people. So I, I decided fairly early that that's what I was going to do. So by default, I helped small businesses and I could see the trap they were in. Now, I was, I was fortunate and by nature – I'm very much a delegator. My wife always says I was born a delegator. I don't think she means that in a nice way, but anyway, let's say it is in a it is, it is meant in a kind way. But um, you know, I, sure. I always in my contract at Coca Cola, I had a, a um, written in, into it that I always have a, an assistant, so um, an executive assistant. So I was very good at doing that. And when I, you know, even early on when I wasn't getting a lot of um, cash flow in my business uh, at the early start, I still set up an executive assistant or a VA uh, from the Philippines very early on and use that. And then once I got more familiar with that, that meant that I let go more. I started using more people to make sure that I only did the things that I could do. And I used the technology to tap into that. And then Fast forward, what did I end up creating? I created a, a virtual assistant company. I created a, a tech company that helped agencies uh, better uh, scale. Both of those things were through the fact that, you know, I, my learnings from the Coke company and probably by nature being a delegator that I did let go. And and even today I've got, um, you know, I don't have a, a massive business, but I do have awesome team members across the globe working 24-7 so that I can, like today, I've decided to go and play golf with my mates. Uh, you know, I can go and do that knowing that the wheels are still turning uh, and I've got a fantastic team supporting me. 
Incredible. See a need, fill a need. That's what I'm hearing. That's uh, the mark of a true entrepreneur. And I love that you threw in delegating there. It's so important to getting that time and freedom back. And I feel that it's one of those things that definitely holds a lot of leaders in business back is feeling like they need to take on all of this work themselves because either they can you know, do it faster or they think they're going to save money by, by doing it themselves. And that's some of those things that, you know, keep them stuck in their business as well. So, um, good on you for, for learning that early and often and resourcing out to your team. Um, I, I do want to ask though, and if we can better define, you know, what is a cloud partner and w- what does some of the work that you do with these partners look like in your day to day? Yeah. So as I said, or you said we, we built and, and sold a cloud consulting business. And um, my easy definition is are the SaaS products that you're using today, it might be HubSpot, it might be Asana, it might be whatever there's. that. If you look at the Coke company, as I said, they did the mm-hmm. product and did the marketing and then their bottlers, their partners, were the ones that actually got it to the consumer. That model that I spent 18 years in is very similar to the the SaaS model. So the brands, let's use Asana as an example, they continue to improve the product, they do some marketing, but then they have partners like yourself that actually go and make sure that that last mile with the the customer or the consumer is delivered. So so for me, uh, we've created a, a community where all of those independent partners from multi-platforms around the world can actually get together and share their business learnings. There's lots of technology communities out there. Uh, I'm not a tech guy. I love the use of tech, but I'm not a programmer. I haven't got any uh, technical background. But what I do know is that, you know, a lot of the the way that we go to market and the way that we sell is very similar and we can all learn from each other rather than independently. And I think the other thing I learned from the Coke company is that is that when someone's trialing something or something works somewhere in the world, the Coke company will bring it quickly expanding that across the globe. And I think that's what I want to bring to uh, Cloud Consultant. So long answer, but that's my yeah. definition of what a Cloud Consultant is. Perfect. And, you know, like you said, we are we are um, partners ourselves. And so I, I want to ask because like we have our own definitions and understandings and, you know, roadblocks. But what do you see as the common issues that are um, seen across, you know, many other cloud partners, regardless of um, industry or or tech stack? What are the common, you know, problems that are bringing us all together? Yeah, well, I'll give you. Um an example that I faced and then I'll talk about others. But we were um, going along quite well because our partner, um, uh, it was called Copper CRM, and Copper yeah. was giving us 80 leads a, a month, which was great. Now, I'm not saying business was easy, but it's a lot easier when you've got 80 leads coming in the door. They're not always the ones you want, but they're much better than nothing. Overnight, they decided to turn that off. Right, so all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, our key partner aren't getting leads. We're going to have to generate them ourselves. And I think most cloud consultants or SaaS resellers find that. They either, um, you know, maybe it's not as 
drastic as what happened to us, which forced action, which at the end of the day was, was a good thing. But, you know, getting leads, I think, is one of the hardest things. I'm really good at what I do, but just mm-hmm. nobody knows about me or, you know, I find it really hard to, to get leads, quality leads in the door. I think that's the number one problem that I we faced and it's the number one problem that I see um, most agency owners uh, facing. Oh, sorry. Um, I agency being cloud consultants. That's a, that's a big one. Can you speak to, you know, issues that you're facing then as well? Yeah. So, so, you know, the people that are in our community and the people that I uh, work with, um, follow a, a similar thing. So sometimes, um, you know, they're, they're scaling their, um, their business, but some of the big partners that they work with, uh, just don't send them leads because there's so many other people in the front of the queue, right? So mm-hmm. therefore, they've got to generate their own leads. And, and a lot of them come from a technical background. They love helping clients. They love doing the technical side. But when it comes to sales and marketing, they, you know, that's it's unfamiliar uh, ground for them. Like I was very lucky that, you know, that was my career. That's what I spent. And I still yeah. found it difficult. So I can only imagine someone that's coming from, you know, like often I'll say to someone, have you had any sales training? And they'll say yeah. no. And I'm like, well, don't be too hard on yourself. Like I've had 28 years of, of selling and I still find this difficult, right? So, um, you know, I think that's probably what the biggest challenge. And then the other is this constant pull between delivery and uh, working on the business. So, you know, it's, it, it's like by default, um, a lot of people won't let go of the delivery because of the men, what you mentioned before, because they do do it so well. And, and it's your brand, it's your company. You're so passionate about it. You want everything done correctly, right? And I completely understand that. Yeah. But then some people also don't get out of delivery because they're scared of what they got to do on the other side of it. It's nearly like a, an avoidance. So, you know, like all of us, we play to where we're comfortable, right? Which I completely understand. Yeah. And sometimes people are much more comfortable delivering on the delivery side than they are on the sales marketing side. Right. That's fair. Um, the, the problem that you talked about that you had when, you know, copper turned off the faucet, obviously with your mindset, you were able to pivot really quickly and figure it out. But how are you feeling in that, in those initial stages when it first happened, any advice you can give, um, to, to anyone listening? I know you said like having some sales training and, you know, taking things in stride, but you know, how, how are you feeling and what would you have done differently thinking back to it, um, today? Yeah, so so what I did do, and it was um, I've always built my network, right? So um, I, I really value people. I try to always add value to people, and I'm constantly adding to my network. So that worked in my favour because um, someone knew the person that was doing all of the work for some of the biggest names in the world, like including you know Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham, those guys, right? And they introduced me to them because they'd heard my story. They knew that like I was just about to go on dialysis, you know, things were pretty tough. And um, this person uh, said, look, you know, I'll I'll share with you my secrets. Now, they didn't have to do that, uh, but they did. And and that sort of changed my world. And that was all about how to, um, you know, gain clients out of uh, LinkedIn. And I I think we gained about, I don't know, it was – 
more than the 80 a month uh, through that process. And to me, so wow. what's the advice? I'd say when you're in a situation like that overnight where, you know, you've got a burning platform, I call it a hair on fire problem. And I know, yes, I yeah. don't have a lot of hair, but uh, you get the, the message. But <laughs> I think the biggest thing is is turn to someone that's been in your situation before, right? Fast forward it. Like at Coke, we always went and found the best experts to solve the problem we had. We didn't think that we had the knowledge internal and we actually got it external. I think, you know, a lot of people are really hard on themselves because they expect things from themselves that they just aren't capable of they haven't had the experience they they haven't gone through it so i'm a huge proponent of bringing the knowledge forward go find out someone that's walked in your shoes go find someone that's that's done it before and buy time which is your most important asset by getting them to help you yeah there's a book that describes exactly that it's called grit Right. So like, what are you really made of? You know, what are you going to do when things get tough? And um, I shared this on LinkedIn probably a few months ago now, but the the post starts or the caption starts with, I lost a client. Right. And it tells a story about what happened. It would have been three years prior to the post, but this is one of our big clients at the time and we lost the contract um, there were red flags and I definitely saw it coming, but I wasn't thinking, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get ahead of this and fix this. And I remember when I got the phone call, I, uh, I called my wife right after and I said, Hey, we just lost so-and-so client. And, you know, I said, I'm going to go and eat my weight in sushi and feel sorry for myself. And, um, instead of doing that, I put on my running shoes and I went for a run down by the lake. I looked at the water. That's where I like to go and just have my time to myself and really reflect. And I'm so glad that I did it that day. And I may have pulled up my phone and went on Instagram and I saw a quote and it was just perfect. And it said, I am not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. And it was, I ran back home. I took off my shoes. I went back to my desk and I got to work and figured it out. Right. And so like, that's just like, that's, and we talked a little bit about the entrepreneurial mindset today. I think that's really what it does take. And it sounds like that's what you did and continue to do in all those cases. Yeah, and look, so, I love uh, Amy Porterfield uh, has a great quote where, you know, you, you can be upset, you can be distraught, but make sure it's for an hour, right? Don't, don't make, yes. no, just, yeah. and then, and then, then get into to action. But uh, look, I, I was very lucky to read Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People back in 1993. Mm. And, and it, really is the one book that changed my life the most and you know a lot of the principles in that like start with the end in mind um you know yes um you control the the gap between stimulus and response i'll always remember that and when i get in moments like that it's like yes you you can control the the situation unfortunately it doesn't always play out in my golf game uh, i always think i'm the most unluckiest golfer in the world but apart from that in most times you and me both you know, yeah, you can you can control it, and you can um, you know it's it's what you do next is what matters, not what you didn't do before. Absolutely, um, awesome. And if if we were anywhere near close to each other, we would definitely be on on the greens this summer, and we would uh, see exactly who is the the better <laughs> golfer or not. And it's definitely not me, but. Um, uh, I'm oh, well, curious. I'll, I'll be the best uh, left-handed golfer in that group. I can assure you of that. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm seeing on your website, you know, you have this promise to improve cloud consultants processes within 12 months. And you, there's a video there that describes uh, a really interesting nine step roadmap. Can you just walk us through that that roadmap and just talk to what the, the process looks like for some of these clients that you're working with? Yeah, sure. And, and, and the quick preface here is that, you know, I built this roadmap from practical experience, right? So, you know, I've been running my own businesses now for 11 years and all of my Coke experience and it's like a jigsaw, right? And if you, to me, this is the best way to put the puzzle together to to live with no limits. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it's the way that through practical experience I've done it. And there's really sort of three key stages. So one is, um, the first one is say no. The next one is um, be sought or be sought after. And then the third is let go. So they're the three key pillars. And like you said, there's then uh, three elements under each of those. Thank you. Okay. Um, so what happens next? Like, how do we pl- apply this practically? Like saying no, obviously that's really straightforward. We're trying to protect um, our, our time. And for me, I feel like I went through a stage where I had to like write out a list and, you know, say no to the things that um, either I don't want to do or taking away my time or I were in the real drudgery zone for me. Can you explain a bit more what you mean by say no and then be sought and let go? I'd love to dig into those a bit more. Yeah, sure. So so there's three, the three elements of say no. The first one is, you know, using Covey, it's what's the end in mind? Because I always say to people, well, what's your ambition? What's your purpose? Well, like, what do you really want to build here? Because, and it's not just your business, it's your personal life, right? Because, you know, I can help you create anything, but it's got to have an end in mind. So that's, that's the first one. And, and to be honest, like even when I left corporate, you know, I, I thought that I wanted to go and create, you know, the next unicorn after I finished coaching and realized that wasn't for me. And I had a a brilliant uh, mentor at the time and he just said, look, you know, do you love your family? Do you love, you know, and, and I said, of course I do. He said, well, that may not be the path you want to choose. He, he's saying not that everyone sacrifices their family to run a, a huge business, but, you know, it, it's not for, for everybody. And that's where I thought, well, okay, well, I've got to set the business bottle up knowing what the end in mind is. So that's the first one. The next one is the business model. And I see a lot of people working so hard, but they're not always working smarter. So, you know, um, as an example for me, you know, I see a lot of, agencies that you know it, it's like they go from project to project but you know how a coke we used to say cradle to grave how, how do you keep someone the whole time and you know there's membership models recurring revenue models there's things that you can do so that you don't have to have so many clients because a lot of people say look i'm so fixated on getting new clients i'm like well hang on what about the ones you've already got what about the ones that you've let go of that you can go back and and gain and what about you know you you know if we just tweak your pricing did did a diff uh, a difference to your business model you don't have to have so many on the front end you can get rid of a lot of things that um, you know people trying to run high volume businesses need but you don't need those so that's the second one and then the third one is the accountability. Now, it gets lonely running your own business and it's very easy to fall into you, your safety patterns. And uh, I'm a big believer in sports. You know, like we said, we love coach. I've got a golf coach. The only reason that I've um, 
you know, more than halved my handicap in the last 12 months is because I had the accountability of a coach. I had the skills and the experience that I spoke about before, that they've been there before, so they can, you know, give me that advice. But the other thing is the accountability of me actually doing it and keeping me to it. So I think they're the three things, key elements of um, saying no. Hey everyone, it's me, Marquis. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help. Eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. Okay. And with the accountability, are you encouraging your customers to seek out networks um, or is it just to set goals for themselves and be achieving them and just being realistic with those goals and, and those timelines? Yeah, so so this model when I'm working normally it's one on one with clients. So you know it's me holding them accountable. But you know if if you're not doing that, you know get 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 a, a peer, a buddy. You know you can create these where at the end of each week you hold hold yourself accountable. I've been in um, you know some free uh, mastermind groups. Um, you know just try to find a way that. You know, it's like going to the gym. You know, when you go to the gym with someone else, you know, some mornings you don't want to get out of bed, but that person waiting there for you is the person that drives you there. So just find your version of accountability. Got it. Okay. Um, and let's go to the second one here, be sought. Can you break that down for us? Yeah. So the first one under be sought is, you know, a lot of people say, you know, uh, I'm the world's best kept secret. I'm like, well, the only way to do that, to change that is to become less secret, right? So I think the first thing is who do you really want to be uh, in front of, right? So you've all heard about ideal client profile. I won't go into a lot of detail, but to me, you know, I really believe in um, super niching or niching, depends where you come from. So for me, you know, cloud consultants, I could have picked any type of consultant in the world, right? But I'm very specific on who I support. So when you come to my website, when you hear what I'm doing, you know that it's, you know, specifically for you. So that's the first. The second is, you know, how do you build that authority, right? You might have done a brilliant job, but if you're not telling anyone or you're not getting your clients to, to tell others. So a lot of that for us these days is on LinkedIn. So, you know, LinkedIn is still a fantastic way to get um, people to see you. Um, I can write a post for 15 minutes and get, um, you know, 50,000 views. Actually, um, someone in our community just got 202,000 uh, views to their posts. So, you know, 15 minutes working the algorithm, you can get a lot of uh, eyeballs to that. And then it's things like having a podcast of your own or being on podcasts, et cetera. There's so many ways to create that yeah. authority so people know about you. And it's better to be known in a – you better be a, a, a big fish in a small pond than I think the other way around. And then lastly, it's that sales funnel. What, what are you going to – how are you going to – get people to like, know, and trust you. I think, you know, so often on LinkedIn, you get people that, you know, you just spam you straight away. None of us like it. So, and I often say to people, well, 
you're doing this, right, because an expert's told you to do it, but would you receive it? And they're like, no, no way would I open that. I'm like, well, you know, it, you know, treat treat everything you do like you're you're that person uh, receiving it. But um, yeah, so and there's different sales funnels. So for me, you know, at the moment we have the cloud consultants community, which is a free community at the, at the front, which I'm building my audience. And then from there, you know, some people may choose to to work with me. But you know, you need to develop a, a sales funnel. It doesn't have to be complex, but a sales funnel that actually converts. Okay, I want to I want to jump to that, but um, I think we should just go in order here. And just to um, touch on what you said about super niching, I think that is definitely really important. I mean, I was going to say it off the top of our of our call here, but your positioning is airtight. I mean, like you know your audience, you are catering to them, and it's really good. Um, so kudos to you for doing that. You, you mentioned having a podcast. You are practicing what you're preaching. You have a podcast. You are active on LinkedIn. Um, you have a sales funnel on your website, which I'm, I'm going to touch on in a minute here. But um, in regards to to LinkedIn, and I mean, when uh, you and I had had a conversation probably a couple months ago now, but um, out of that, I received a, a LinkedIn audit from you, right? Just to um, kind of give me some feedback on what the page looked like. And I was able to, you know, apply some of that feedback um, to improve my page. So for, for the guests listening, I mean, how important is your LinkedIn page or even your presence on LinkedIn when it comes to sales and marketing, understanding that social media is often the first thing that people are seeing and that's driving traffic in a lot of cases to your website, which is the funnel, right? So how important is that, um, on LinkedIn itself? Yeah, well, I did a, a poll recently and I asked that exact question and, the I think it was 75, 25, but 75% of people in the poll said that they would go to someone's LinkedIn profile before they go to their website, right? And you just yeah. look at your own behaviours. Like when you hear someone, you might hear Marquee, you might hear me, you'll typically go to your LinkedIn profile before you go to anywhere else. And also in the Google search, normally if you search someone's name, what pops up at the top? It's normally their LinkedIn profile before their website. Yeah, absolutely. And so you would say that would be, you know, next to a website, probably one of the most important things that anyone who is doing any kind of networking or sales or marketing online should be looking at. Yeah, definitely. And and some people say, like, I gotta say, you know, when I change from all consultants to very specific, like I went backwards, right? So there was a couple of months where I had to really stay brave and say, is this going to work? I'm not quite sure. So, you know, it wasn't as if I just changed it overnight and all of a sudden everyone came to me, right? It does take time uh, to, to do, to see super niche. You've, and you've got to expect that, you know, you, you're not going to, um, you know, not everyone's going to agree with you. And I think, it, you know, it's that classic case, like the people that do really well, generally have strong opinions. They know who they stand for, right? And, you know, if you're sitting on the fence, which yeah. I was, which is all consultants, it's, you know, it, it's an uncomfortable experience. But the other thing is that it won't stop referrals. Now, some people say, oh, but if I position myself so specifically, I wouldn't have these clients. I'm like, I, I can give you so many examples where someone still comes to me because they've listened to a podcast, they've heard what I've said. They may not be in my specific niche, but they still want 
some help because of the fact that, let's face it, B2B sales, you know, the principles apply to everyone, right? I've just decided that the experience and what I've learned and the fact that I built and scaled and, and exited a business is going to be very helpful for the people that are going through that. That's why I super niche, but I can still apply the, the principles to anyone. So, you know, don't be worried. People will still refer people to you, right? But the most important thing is when you market. So just quickly at the Coke company, you know, we had, um, you know, people used to say, but everyone drinks Coke. I'm like, yes, but we specifically targeted in our marketing a very specific niche. Um, I want to get back to the the third point. So the the last um, step in your process was the the let go. Can we break that one down for us today? Yeah, great. So so the third one is let go. So just we've said say no, be sought, and then the third one is let go because you've built up this momentum, right? So then yeah. by default you'll have a lot more work, and if you're in delivery. A, you've got to get out of delivery because you've got to do the other two, but also it means that you've got to stay out of delivery. And there's three key – one is – and these are pretty basic, right? Um, Just because they're easy to do doesn't – what's the – oh, I can't remember that term. I'll I'll, – but but effectively, you know, sometimes the the most simple things to do are the hardest things to do. That's what I was trying to say. So first one is recruitment, right? And we all know that people – is the most important thing. So I've been fortunate through my career that I've recruited so many people. I ran teams of 200 people. I used to sit on panels. Like I've got a lot of knowledge on um, how to find the right people. And I ran a, you know, VA company, you know, where I was constantly matching um, the owners of businesses to my talent. So, you know, to me, recruitment is is critical. And we've got some really cool ways of doing that. The next one is um, train them and letting go and delegation is not abdication. And, and I remember someone once telling me this, like so often we abdicate where we just want to move it from our plate to someone else's, right? And and when in a coaching environment, there's a thing called above and below the line. And above the line is everything you can do. So whenever someone doesn't do something well on my team, I always go to, did I set them up for success? Have I trained them? Did I ever actually, you know, specifically, tell them to do that is the SOP in place is the system there supporting them I go to myself first and then second is then they've got to take accountability if they haven't actually implemented that right but I think you know training is is so critical and I think as business owners we get so caught in everything else we often don't think of the training the training is both soft and hard skills as well not just the technical side and the last one is the motivation right so people these days in a virtual environment, you could go and work for anyone, right? But why do they stay working for you? So what are you doing to motivate people? What are you doing to make sure that them working for you is the absolute best choice that, that they've got? So they're the three elements under the uh, let go. I love that. Um, thanks for breaking all three of those down. I loved what you said here when you said like, is it on me? Did I set them up for success and taking accountability for, you know, the thing going wrong? I think that is so important because when it comes to delegation, you know, the leaders will often get ahead of themselves and they think, I just want to get this off of my plate as soon as possible. You go do this, you figure it out. But if we didn't create the proper systems, 
like you said, having the SOPs documented, having that that process there for them to follow. Have you done your job as the leader, setting the expectations um, and really setting them up to complete that job? And I think what happens if we neglect training or if we don't document those SOPs, it's really easy for leaders who are busy and trying to work on other things to become frustrated with their with their new hire um, because they've they brought that person on to take away some of the stress to alleviate some of that stress and take away some of that work and we we often are so quick to like put it on them and blame them right and think like this is so simple you should do this is why I hired you and it's such a big mistake so I'm really glad that you that you pointed that out. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, you ask, you know, 12 months, right? The, the reason that we get quick adoption is because I've done all these things, right? So the, on the jigsaw, I've then got 87 frameworks that sit behind it. So when someone says, hey, you know, what are your recruitment questions? Or, you know, what what's an SOP for doing a LinkedIn Live or whatever the strategy that we, we, we say, I've then got the framework that we can just say, bang, here it is. Because I find that, um, you know, for me, sometimes when I work with someone mentoring me, it was like, okay, great, I get the idea and then I've got to go and do all the work, but I'm already overflow, I'm overloaded already, right? So then it, it, it never happens. So I think it's the same thing when you're mentoring someone is that what are you doing to make it easy for them, right? So that's why I have all the frameworks. I've done, you know, I basically do all of that work so that you're not turning up each session and going, oh, God, okay, here's going to be a laundry list of things I've got to do. I've already got a laundry list of th- this is just crazy. So, you know, w- why we do it in 12 months is that it doesn't – things do take time, but what I what I really want to make sure is that when someone looks at that jigsaw and they've got gaps, that I'm actually giving them the tools. So once again, you know, what am I thinking above the line, which is me mentoring someone, and what's below the line is the, the business owner who's very busy already and, um, you know, is, is trying to – to uh, implement. I love it. Above and below the line. Um, Really, really great. Thanks for sharing that. And so the last one here, I know we we touched on it a bit earlier, was that that sales funnel. I want to talk about that because I think you've done a a bang up job of doing this with your website. I know the guys at uh, Zen Pilot, um, they had a really great funnel at one point with some videos and some messaging and it really spoke to that client. You've even gotten like the, the video sales letter, you've got the call to action on there. So can you just walk through like, um, what you feel to be the importance of an approach like this and what does it look like on the back end? Like what happens next after we go to that, uh, apply now? Yeah, look, I think the, the, the biggest thing is, you know, for me and, and in a way, you know, sometimes it's, you're still the center of your business, right? In in most cases, so yes, you want to let go, but often you're the person doing the sales uh, or closing the deals, and you're the person that's sort of doing the the top over steering committee of the the projects that you're implementing, right? And people therefore want to like know and trust you. So I think the number one thing is you've got to let them see you, right? And you know instantly when yeah. you listen to someone, watch someone, whether they're right or not for you, right? It's, you know, I'm not saying that I'm right for everybody. There's some people who look at my video and go, hey, this guy's not for me. That's fine, but you're helping them make that decision because they're busy, right? And they don't want to waste the time getting on a call with you and realizing that there's not a good fit. So to me, yes, every page, every sales page that I've got, including my homepage, has got a video 
that gives the best that I can in eight minutes or nine minutes summarizing, well, what it's like to actually experience this, right? So, you know, if I'm going to bring it forward, what it's like, and I think um, that's really important. And, you know, we all know now that, you know, most of the research is done before they go to buy, uh, consumers go to buy something, right? It's no different. So make it easy to do the research, right? And, you know, there's a lot of um, stuff on a website or on a, on a, on a page which, really is superfluous, right? It's because web developers have told us to do it. And, you know, you, you're an agency owner, you probably do a lot of website development. Uh, I'm not disrespecting yeah. that. But what I'm saying is that there's really two key things when someone's got short time to come and see. One is they want to see you in person. So they want that video. And the other one is they want to know, have you worked with people like me, right? So just have some social proof. Mm, so I think yeah. if you've got those two key things, you know, that's the 80-20 rule. Get those right and then, you know, the rest of it, you know, it, it, it's a nice to do but I don't think it really helps who you're, who you're um, trying to help. And, and then when they apply, you're, you're bringing them through uh, some kind of vetting process, maybe asking them some questions. Is there a drip campaign behind the, the curtains there or are they just getting on a call with you to, yeah, to so chat we've got and a- align on fit? Yeah, look, uh, great question. So we've got a nurture campaign for everyone that joins our list. So we've got that. Uh, when people join our community, which is the Cloud Consultants Collective, there's an onboarding call with me. So I really want to get to know people. And we also have um, assets that we give to add value uh, through the, the nurture campaign. And when someone applies to work one-on-one for me, yes, there's questions. So I really want them to make sure that I'm on the right fit before they get on the call, but I also conversely, I can actually help them. So, so we do that. And then if, if, if it's not the right time, because remember 3% of buyers roughly are ready to buy at any one time. If it's not the right time, I continue to produce podcasts. I continue to do uh, an EDM, uh, uh, you know, an email every week with something practical that I can help them. And I've got a fairly good memory so that if, if I come across a podcast, I listen to, you know, about two hours a day, two and a half times speed, and I think, oh, that'd be perfect for this person, I then get my team to go and send that to them. So I'm always making sure that, you know, I'm staying top of mind in a practical way for, for people uh, to know that when they're ready to buy. I, I can't, we talked about it before, I can't influence when they're ready, you know, because there's so many circumstances that fit in, but I know that uh, I just got to constantly be there for them when they are ready. Beautiful. And that's uh, staying true to your be sought um, methodology there. So say no, be sought, let go. Paul, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, I want to leave the guests with a place where they can connect with you. Obviously you're on LinkedIn. Um, Where can people connect? Where do you want to send them to either connect with you or learn more about what you do? Yeah, look, the, the best place is paulhigginsmentoring.com. That's got um, that video, the video that you spoke about. It's got uh, all our resources. So paulhigginsmentoring.com is the best place to go. Again, thanks so much for your time, Paul, and uh, we will catch up with you next time. Great. Thanks a lot for the opportunity, Marky. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. 
Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.